Do you remember one time when we were small, we were out here? It was from right over there. I jumped out at you from behind the tree, and Grandpa got all excited, and he shook his fist at me, and he said, Boy, you be damned to hell! <laughs> remember that? Right over there. Johnny! You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Hey, everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are retesting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. Guys, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Speaking of it. Actually, really, almost. Halloween is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Speaking of Halloween, did you see the remake? Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. I liked it too. Funnier than I thought it would be, but I guess I should have known. Yeah. Should have expected some kind of humor in there. The little boy that she's babysitting, like, steals the show. Yeah, my buddy was like, I could have watched a two-hour movie with just that kid. The sequel to this Halloween is going to be about that kid. (laughs) So, uh, Guys, check out that Halloween. I mean, an example of a a reboot. I guess it's a reboot of a sequel. It's a sequel, but also a reboot, if that's allowed. Yeah. So we won't spoil it, but check it out. Because it's Halloween, the spooky time, as Kenna likes to say. So this week, Ken and I are doing a classic. Maybe the classic. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a black and white movie. Guys. It's a black and white movie. <laughs> the godfather of all zombie movies, Night of the Living Dead, starring Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Day, Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, and Keith Wayne. And if you're saying, I don't know any of these people, <laughs> don't worry. That's okay. Because this movie was an independent film made in 1968 that became like one of the biggest earning independent films ever and spawned mm-hmm. all of George A. Romero's Of the Dead It spawned universe? the zombie as we know it today. Yeah. We're talking about the 1968 version. This movie actually was remade in 1990. Which was 28 years ago. <laughs> so don't ask us about it. Um, So we wanted to start with the classic. But before we do that, let's talk about some... It looks like some more horror movie. Yeah. This is an all an all horror movie month all of news. All the time. Oh, actually, the first one isn't. Well, it is in a weird way. Okay. Michael Pena is Mr. Rourke in Fantasy Island film from Sony and Blumhouse. The Sony Pictures and Blumhouse produced Fantasy Island film adaptation from director Jeff Wadlow. Pena is taking on a role that was originated by Ricardo Montalban when the TV series from Aaron Spelling launched in 1978 on ABC. Mr. Rourke joined his by a sidekick tattoo. Um, I always, I never, it's like Hef or Herve. Isn't it Hervé? Hervé. Didn't they just... Villachave? Like, Villache? Yeah. Like, I cannot pronounce this guy's name. Don't worry about it. But um, Dinklage <laughs> is playing him in a movie yeah. about that guy's life. Um, anyways, joined by Sidekick Tattoo, was the mysterious overseer of the island who granted the fantasies of visitors for a price. Created by Gene Levitt, the series dealt with dark themes and the supernatural as visitors come to the island to live out their fantasy wishes. We don't really talk about TV that much here, do I guess Charlie's Angels was the last one we talked yeah. about. Yeah. I've never watched an episode of Fantasy Island, but I, I just I don't also don't think I knew what it was about. But after reading this, I was like, oh, maybe I should have been, maybe I should watch a couple episodes of the show. I don't. I remember the theme song. I just thought it was more of a, like a campy kind of seventies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe because of the decade it was made, I didn't really take too much stock in the seriousness of it. But Blumhouse, you know, kind yeah. of 
sort of the island. The, it's the, an interesting place to have picked up this property. Yeah. So they're clearly going to lean way more into the dark side of this. Yeah. I should watch an episode of Fantasy Island because I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't either. I just remember him. Uh, what's his fam- What's Tattoo's famous catchphrase? Yeah, go watch that movie uh, where Peter Dinklage and uh, Jamie Dornan talk about Fantasy Island. I wish I knew how to... Her, it's Herve. It can't be Herve. Herve? There is an accent agoo over the E. <laughs> okay, here we go. How to pronounce it. Pronouncenames.com <laughs> This is going great. Wait, wait, what? do that again, do it again. What? Hervé Viches. <laughs> Hervé Viches? Please save that clip. Hervé Viches. Please save that clip. Hervé Viches. just throw it in places. <laughs> There's nothing like a computer. Every time we don't know how to say somebody's name. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about a computer trying to pronounce in a French accent. Hervé Viches. Should we move on? Mm-hmm. Now that we've finished that... <laughs> Wrong Turn gets a remake. Constantine rebooting horror franchise with original creator, which is not that impressive because it's not that old. Constantine Film is remaking the West Virginia Cannibals movie Wrong Turn, a franchise which kicked off in 2003 with a theatrical release via Fox and spawned another five films, the last being in 2014. The franchise's creator, Alan McElroy, has returned to pin the script. In the Wrong Turn movies, various families of deformed cannibals hunt down folks in West Virginia. The original movie, which made close to $30 million at the global box office, wow, that's not much money. Nope. Off a $12.6 million budget starred Eliza Dushku, Jeremy Sisto, and Emmanuel Shrieky. Wow, what a time capsule of actors. (laughs) The mainstay in all six movies had one cannibal known as Three Finger. The updated version is described as a timely and topical (laughs) meditation on society and its issues. A cross-country hiking expedition puts a group of friends in the land of an inclusive society where they soon discover they are under a different rule of law and may not be the victims they thought they were. So here's another case of a studio remaking a film that was made in 2003. And the thing is, it says this is an updated version. Why not just call this a sequel? Yeah. Because no one remembers the first, maybe, because people will be like, do we have to watch this? I'm 100%. I don't remember this movie, but I'm certain because I can see the DVD box that I rented this for some high school movie night experience. (laughs) Also, people are scared of West Virginia. And I think that's kind of funny. Um, uh, Have you been to West Virginia? Oh, yeah. It's scary. It's not that scary. I mean, it's not Mississippi. (laughs) But it's scary. (laughs) On the the rank of scary states, Mississippi's the highest. It's like Mississippi, Alabama. Like the border of Mississippi, Alabama. Like that that northern part of the state. Boof. Mississippi, Alabama. Mexico's kind of spooky. Wyoming's kind of spooky. I'd buy that. West Virginia expanses. Maine can be spooky just because it's like really dark up there. Um, <laughs> I don't remember this movie whatsoever, but I needed to uh, Google Emmanuel Shariki and who, who she was, and I was like, this this lady looks like Jaywell <laughs> from Jersey Shore. Oh yeah, she does a little bit. Like she was on Entourage. Yeah, she was also she also starred opposite Lance Bass in a 
movie in which they were romantically entangled. Um. Well, great. Well, maybe her and Jeremy Sisto and Eliza Dushku can all come back. Yeah, when was the last time I saw Jeremy Sisto in a movie? <sighs> oh, I take that back. There was a horror movie he was in maybe like two years ago. It was set in India, I want to say. I have no idea. Yeah, but why not? Why not give Eliza Dushku, Jeremy Sisto, and Emmanuel Shariki <laughs> jobs again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to this. This sort of dropped in our laps suddenly. Friday the 13th reboot. The Friday the 13th. Roy Lee's Vertigo Entertainment and LeBron James's Spring Hill in talks to bring Slasher back to screen. Deadline has confirmed that Roy Lee's Vertigo Entertainment and LeBron James's Spring Hill Entertainment are in talks to bring Friday the 13th back to the big screen. The news comes in the wake of Universal Miramax Blumhouse's Halloween hitting a massive all-time opening record for its slasher franchise with $76.2 million. That is a lot For a horror film. Money. Yeah, absolutely. Which also doubled as the second best domestic debut ever in October. We hear that meetings are out with directors and writers now. Uh, how all this went down was that under the Copyright Reclaimment Act, Friday the 13th screenwriter Victor Miller recently regained U.S. rights and took the project to Vertigo and Spring Hill so they could move it through Warner Brothers. Miller won the U.S. rights in a lengthy legal battle with director Sean Cunningham and his Horror Inc. label. The Copyright Act gives authors a second chance and reclaiming their work after 35 years after selling it for a low price the first time around. In the case of Miller, he reportedly sold Friday the 13th for less than $10,000. Wow. <laughs> and wasn't involved in any future sequels. Last year, in the wake of Rings failing, Paramount pulled a plug on Platinum Doom's version of Friday the 13th after losing faith in horror reboots. Okay, so if you like horror movies at all, you probably have followed this a little bit. And literally for the past, like, few years, I can't remember when the last Friday the 13th sequel came out, but... In the subsequent years, there has always been this rumor that somebody was going to remake the series, and it kept falling through. And so for years, there has just been this little tease of like, I want to say it was 2008 that mm -hmm. the last one came out. Um, and, I, and I think they got kind of scared. It's so funny. They got scared after Rings didn't do well. Rings. Rings. Um, the last one was... The, That's the gold standard for them. The last but, one was called Friday the 13th, came out in 2009. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. Hey, I'm not from around here, but I'm looking for my sister. She's gone missing. Have you seen her? She ain't missing. She's dead. Yeah, so it has been going on for a while. The original writer finally got the rights back and i guess is doing with it what he wants and so the second sort of interesting thing is that the people who picked it up one of those is lebron james production company <laughs> um we're gonna have to talk about sports <laughs> we're gonna talk about sports real quick how how does this relate <laughs> LeBron James came to LA to be a movie producer. We, we, yeah, that's that, like, true. That's very true. He does not care about winning championships here. No. He cares about making Space Jam and all these other things. I don't know exactly what the brand of Spring Hill is because it hasn't been around that long. But I can't say that this doesn't fit in there because, I mean, they are working on a reboot of or, well, a sequel to Space Jam or something like that. Maybe it's just known IP. Yeah, like maybe, maybe, he, maybe he really is a fan and is like... If nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it. 
but who knows? It's ju- it's just very it's I will be interested to see what comes yeah. through for him moving forward. Do you think post Cabin in the Woods? You guys go see Cabin in the Woods because the movie's basically And like, by go see rent we it, mean download yeah, it. Rent it. You um, can't go anywhere to see it. You can stay Go to a friend's home. house and see it. You can come to my house. But the whole, I have it on DVD. The, Here's that, another moment where I say you can have my DVD copy <laughs> of Cabin in the Woods. Guys, take her up on it. Get a free get a free DVD. <laughs> um, but like that whole deconstruction of like kids at a camp. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Well, after- they were just in a cabin. Um, in the woods. Okay, but like Friday the Thirteenth, it's like a camp in the woods. Mm-hmm. There's different cabins in them, but like the idea of like teenagers in the woods at at a summer camp. Do you think that's still? Does that sound fresh to you? I always think there's a way to make it work there's a reason people are always gonna watch so they just have to figure out what that is um and friday the 13th is a difficult thing to quote unquote remake because the series starts not with the iconic character of jason in it in the way he has been in sequels so that's another question like where do if you're gonna remake it where where do you start do you start back with spoiler alert his mother who was the killer in the first film or do you just launch into this new mythology i would honestly be curious and i need to read up on this what the horror community which is such a funny thing to say but whatever um how people how horror people feel about a lebron james backed lebron james produced friday the 13th yeah they don't know probably like the people of Cleveland, he'll bring you a championship and then he'll abandon you at, at, at the first sign of. <laughs> I mean, you're not from Cleveland. You sound so upset. <laughs> yeah, they're not upset either. They got a ring. Um, <laughs> Everyone in town gets a ring. All right, guys, let's get into the reboot of Night of the Living Dead. But before we do, we have some rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of. I mean, we will talk about people you've never <laughs> it's heard guaranteed. of. And you're going to want to look them up. We'll also be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen the original Night of the Living Dead, pause us right now. Go watch it. It's actually a really quick watch. It's not a long movie. It's interesting. Go watch this movie. It's Halloween. None of the rules. Rule number one, no remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like Friday the 13th yeah. that pop back up with sequels every few decades. So before you come at us and say, hey, they remade this movie, we know about it, and it was remade a long time ago. So we're remaking the remake of the remake. So calm down. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't just cast someone based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. All right, guys. Let's get into The Night of the Living Dead. You got the whole place boarded up? Yeah, most of it. I'll be a few spots upstairs. They won't be hard to fix. You're insane. The cellar's the safest place. I'm telling you, they can't get in here. And I'm telling you, those things turned over our car. We were damn lucky to get away at all. Now, you tell me those, those things can't get through this lousy pile of wood? We could strengthen everything up, Mr. Cooper. With all of us working, we could fix this place up in no time. We have everything we need up here. We can take all that stuff downstairs with us. And you're really crazy, you know that? You got a million windows up here. All these windows, you're gonna you're gonna make them strong enough to keep these things out, huh? I told you those things don't have any strength. I smashed three of them and pushed another one out the door. 
Did you hear me when I told you they turned over our car? Oh, hell, any good five men can do that. That's my point. Only there's not going to be five or even ten. There's going to be twenty, thirty, maybe a hundred of those things. And as soon as they know we're here, this place is going to be crawling with them. The Night of the Living Dead, as we mentioned, was uh, George A. Romero's, I think, his first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so. he recently passed away last summer. Mm-hmm. The movie stars Dwayne Jones as Ben, Judith O'Day as Barbara, Carl Hardman as Harry Cooper, Marilyn Eastman as Helen Cooper, and Keith Wayne as a boy named Tom. Um, Which we would have done Judith as well, but, you know, everybody's kind of on a level playing field in this movie, but then we just ran out of space. What was funny is, like, I was watching this movie, and... Oh, you were? You were watching the movie? I was watching the movie, I was sitting there, I was thinking about Halloween, Mm -hmm. and I was like, man, Barbara, like, recasting Barbara was very difficult, and I almost was like, maybe we should do... Judith, because she has more lines. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think just Barbara is just a little more iconic in, in terms yeah. of how this movie starts. But there's really these six people, plus Barbara's brother, who doesn't make it in the beginning of the movie. Um, What's his name? Johnny. Johnny. Johnny has the keys. You can't start the car. Johnny has the keys. <laughs> Oh, poor Barbara. Yeah, this movie, it was funny. Is like, this movie is very slow. The actors are fine. The zombies look weird. They're, they're like, we said that this was like the start of the, the modern zombie, but there are things in here I didn't realize, like, the first time I watched it. Like, mm-hmm. the zombies almost have, like, emotion. Like, they use tools. They're afraid of yeah. fire and light, which is not something that's common now. And It's fascinating because they talk about, they use news. Um, announcements to sort of relay information to both the characters and us. And there are all these moments where they're sort of describing them. And I want to be like, but that's not what they're really like, because in actuality, like they're not mindless machines. Mm -hmm. Like the first zombie literally uses a tool to achieve a goal. He uses a rock to break the window to get to Barbara, which is not zombie behavior necessarily. He also walks around the car. Yeah, that's critical thinking. That's what you pay to go to school for four years, <laughs> so I'm told. So I'm told that's why I went to college. Um, So it, it's, it was kind of trippy to kind of see their, like, like this is how they're going to bring... This is the, the, yeah. the germination of what, what we think of zombies now. But it also should be said that uh, this is one of those cases of, because we live in a world where we literally we see zombies all the time. Ask Brian about zombies. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about that? I know a little bit of a little bit about zombies, um, guys. And so it's fascinating that we have become so accustomed to what we know zombies to be. And this was like the first time, because there had been, quote unquote, uh, living dead people in movies. Mm-hmm. But this was the first time that it was like hordes of people who wanted to eat flesh, who who you had to kill, you had to destroy the brain Mm -hmm. to kill them. Otherwise they were unstoppable. All those things that we now know he was creating for the first time. The survival command center at the Pentagon has disclosed that a ghoul can be killed by a shot in the head or a heavy blow to the skull. Kill the brain and you kill the ghoul. And so I think that's really cool because I, I, I like... A story like this where where we're able to sort of step outside of ourselves as the viewer and be like, oh, okay, if we're experiencing this the way they are, um, I mean, even the word zombie, like they never used the word zombie because that it hadn't fully come together yeah. yet. So we start with Ben. Mm-hmm. 
iconic Ben. Uh, played by an actor named Dwayne Jones who passed away not too long after this movie. And his, his IMDb is pretty short, but he's really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like a, a Barack Obama type. He like he's very Obama like type. tall, lean. Yeah. Uh, a tall, lean black man. He's just, he literally is dressed like Barack on like a campaign trail, kind of the, mm-hmm. the rolled up white shirt yeah. tucked into the khakis. And I'm, so I almost cast Barack. I was like, just <laughs> fucking put him in there. Can no. somebody put a call in to Barack Obama? <laughs> Who's his manager? Um, I, I feel like it needs to be said. We have to give Dwayne Jones his due. Again, looking at it from our perspective, it seems pretty normal, but his casting at this point in time to play the character he did was really groundbreaking Um, just because there weren't many African-American male leads. Many? Any. Any. And to top that, I guess they had originally written the character to be like a trucker. Mm Mm-hmm. And when he auditioned, and I think he gave more of a vibe of uh, an intellectual, and they were like, let's make him a sort of professor type intellectual, which is, and it's it's so interesting. I kept reading in the trivia how Romero was just constantly like, it made the most sense. Like, we weren't weren't looking to make a statement. It just made the most sense. I realized that I was alone with... 50 or 60 of those things just standing there staring at me. I started to drive. I just plowed right through them. They didn't move. They didn't run or just stood there staring at me. Just wanted to crush them. But I, I one reason I've always loved this movie is just how uh, how cool it is to look at it and kind of be like, they didn't they didn't try to, to do anything, but they created something really iconic in a lot of different ways. So the idea of like, this is a movie that's a thinly veiled commentary on racism in America was something that I was like, I, I don't know if I like, I didn't want to sort of cast to that much mm-hmm. like they didn't really do that. It was I think it was the way that I saw it was okay. What I love about this movie is there's that sudden zombie outbreak and seven strangers find themselves locked in together in a house. Yeah. And so I was thinking like today, yeah, you can play with themes of racism and, and sexism. And, but I think at, the, co- at the, the core of what makes this movie great is the general mistrust that everyone will experience in this house, which I mm-hmm. think really could resonate today. So I just I kind of thought of it like this. I'm going to cast Barbara as a, my main character mm-hmm. and then i'm going to cast everyone around her as someone everyone around her who you won't be able to trust okay i ended up casting to the type of like in terms of looks to the original but i was sort of searching for actors who you, you would see on screen and you'd be like are they good or are they going to just be selfish and end up like getting everyone in the house killed yeah um, yeah i mean let's let's just put this out there the character of barbara needs to change <laughs> And they did for for the remake, which I haven't seen, but apparently she has agency and she they, doesn't just sit in the corner going. Um, yeah, which that was something that I was like, mm, let's do better, because even uh, Romero was like, oh, we liked her sort of uh, catatonic, scared woman vibe. And I was like, didn't they all? Um, yeah, let's give let's give her some more to do. But I I agree. I think I cast to the type. Mm-hmm. I also felt very much that I wanted this to be a period piece. Really? Like yeah, you wanted like to keep I was it like, in 68? Let's keep it in 1968. Hmm, okay. Well, who'd you pick as Ben? Um, I picked Corey Hawkins as my Ben. I almost picked him. Yes, who played 
uh, Dr. Dre yeah. in Straight Outta Compton. I mean, he's been doing very well for himself since he started in the reboot of 24. Um, as what if he what if he played Jack Bauer? And they were just like, it's Jack ba- it's Jack Bauer. Uh, he was in The Walking Dead. He was in Kong Skull Island. Various other things. Um, if you haven't seen Straight Outta Compton, go watch Straight Outta Compton because that's really all you need. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I liked him for this. I liked, uh, I felt like he was equal parts imposing, but gentle and a leader. Yeah, I, he, I literally had him in there. And the only reason I took him out was because, like I said before, I wanted to cast actors who you would kind of constantly mistrust throughout this, this movie. You thought he was too trusting. He's too trusting. Like, he has a really sort of good guy f- look to him. And so... I replaced him with another actor who was also in Straight Outta Compton named Aldous Hodge, who was yep. also in Hidden Figures. I think this guy is great. I don't know why he's not in more stuff. I, I feel like he's slowly just becoming like someone you're like, oh, yeah, him. Like, I first saw him in Friday Night Lights over like 12 years ago. But um, but he's like in Hidden Figures. And even in that movie that's like very bright and kind uh-huh. of uh, uplifting, he he's still kind of like very intense looking. So I I liked him to be... Still, still sort of be the moral compass that Ben is. Mm-hmm. Like the one who's just like, I'm here to save everyone versus right. Harry who's here to just save like himself. himself. Yeah. Um, but to still kind of make you feel a little off kilter just because, you know, just to add to that. But no, I think that's a really good choice. I think your perspective at this is really interesting. So I'm fascinated to see. Who are the other suspect figures? <laughs> well, okay. Should we move on to Barbara, I guess? Yeah. Let me let me just preface. I should have prefaced this before we got into this. Guys, you, I don't think you guys are going to really know any of the people I picked. I picked a lot of obscure actors uh, for this. Oh, okay. I picked some famous people, so. Um, so for Barbara, again, like we talked about her, she is awful in this movie. She yeah. is hysteric. She, yeah, she, she's the hysterical woman can't even speak but then when she does this bugged me when she like she sits there and somewhat listens to ben's whole story about how he made it there and then when she starts talking and she starts to get a little frantic he's like just calm down we have got to go get johnny please help me don't you know what's going on out there this is no sunday school picnic don't you understand my brother is alone your brother is dead no he slaps her like (laughs) She listened to you, Ben. <laughs> Doesn't he like slap her? Uh, yeah, he does. At one point. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think Barbara. Barbara is just someone who, who think of it this way: in the in the beginning of the movie, her and her brother Johnny are going to visit their their father's tombstone. They're gonna pay. They're gonna like lay flowers on it because their mother's too sick to make the trip. And it's there that the outbreak happens. She gets separated from her brother. He ultimately dies in he the gets cemetery. Bitten, yeah, yeah, and then she has to sort of run to Which, this house. Let's give her credit. Barbara ran from the cemetery to the house with no shoes on. Sure, hero move. Okay, but she was slip sliding all over the place, like her. Well, yeah, because obviously she's in hosiery. <laughs> I didn't think of that. All right, I didn't. I okay. I don't know. I still feel like you keep your balance when you're taking a turn around some grass. I, I Have know. you ever worn pantyhose? No. Well, then try it, and then we'll talk. All right. <laughs> um, okay. So how do how do we cast Barbara and, and make her not this sort of catatonic 
Looney Tune that she kind of ends up becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to pick someone. I want to pick a a woman who's y- much younger than everyone else. Okay. To add a little bit of like, I guess Judith O'Day was twenty three. That's still pretty young, but I I picked an actress who was around like twenty be- to maybe bring a little more like innocence to it. But this particular actress, at least in the roles that she's been in and going to be in, she's that seems a little more tough. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little more of a survivor as opposed to someone who's just going to okay. sit on the, the sun chair and just sort of like hug her, rock herself while the news plays. Um, I picked an actress named Kaylee Spini, who was in the lead in Pacific Rim Uprising and is going to be in Bad Times at the El Royale. What? Yeah. She is 20 years old. I think her first like acting gig was Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh, Which you didn't see, did you? No, I didn't. She was pretty good in that. I mean, I also overly enjoyed that movie. Uh, I, I I did not expect to enjoy that movie as much as I did. Ugh. Yeah, Scott Eastwood is in that movie. <laughs> did you just uh Scott Eastwood? He can't act. He can't. Um. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who this is. <laughs> right. Not a lot of people. Uh, you might know the the rest of my cast, but she was sort of like. I, I don't I, think I've seen any of her. No, but she. I think she's stuff. going. You're you're going to see a lot more of her, and I like the idea that she's. I mean, at least in this room, pretty much an unknown. Mm-hmm. So that it's not distracting, to be like, and I don't know. She. You're not like. Oh, there's the movie star. Yeah. And all these other people. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I picked someone that you do know, you should know. <laughs> I think, honestly, it would be a little weird if you didn't know her. Uh-huh. Um, I picked Dakota Fanning. Yeah, okay. Um, who I really like for this. If if we create a Barbara who is, um, who has a little more uh, character, personality. Yep, uh, all of it. All of these things. Um, I, I like Dakota Fanning. I think adult Dakota Fanning still hasn't found her way. Um, was she in the mentalist? No, the alienist. (laughs) Alienist. I watched that show. It was good. It was well, the, have you read the book? No. Um, the book is so good. I don't think the show really did it justice, but it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. The production design. Stunning. Yeah, I, and I think it. what I do think is at first when they cast her in, because I'm a big fan of the book, when they cast her in that role, I was like, there's no way Dakota Fanning is this person. But I think seeing her in that role sort of confirmed for me that she's just not the actress that I, I thought she was. Because we watched her grow up, essentially, on film. Um, and so I think something like this could be a really fun bridging opportunity to sort of play a traumatized young woman fighting for her survival in a home full of strangers yeah we have to go downstairs now barbara she's right you have to go downstairs now just for a little while until we get back then we can all leave oh i'd like to leave Yes. That's my pitch for this movie. I agree. Her career is so funny. Like, child actress, and then she kind of went away. Her sister, like, overtook her. Mm-hmm. And now she's sort of coming back. I think something like this would be pretty pretty cool for her to do. I think she went to college. I think she took time off from acting to, like, get an education. Have a real life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's move on to Harry Cooper, played by Carl Hardman. Again, another actor you guys probably never have heard of. Nope. This one was kind of 
fun to play around with because I, I kept thinking about trying to find an actor because Harry comes out of the so what's so strange is like Barbara and Ben are in this house for a while mm-hmm. and then suddenly these people sort of burst out of the basement and yeah. they're like we've been here for a long time and they were like too scared to come up but Harry comes in real hot like, it's a funny conversation because they're like we're gonna go back into the basement <laughs> they like come up they're like, we're going to take the food and all the weapons and we're going to go back in the basement. And Ben's like, why didn't you Why didn't you come to see? Didn't you hear us? And he's like, well, yeah, but like, we don't know what it could have been. We thought we could hear screams, but for all we knew, that could have meant those things were in the house afterward. And you wouldn't come up and help. The racket sounded like the place was being ripped apart. How were we supposed to know what was going on? Yeah, it, it was such a strange kind of character because he, he really just like frantic and he's already supercharged with fear and i was sort of like i don't know if that works anymore so i thought of it like this when they come out of the basement that should be a moment where you're like oh there's more people like their strength in numbers and then as the movie goes on you're like oh these people don't cannot work together like they they have Mm -hmm. opposing viewpoints and then harry is constantly trying to undermine ben he's trying to get the gun he's trying to like his plan always seems to be about how to not care for other people. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to couch this character in a way that was like, what if I cast an actor who initially were kind of like, oh, maybe he's not a bad guy. And then ultimately you find out that he's like a hollow soul that like is very selfish. I don't know if this actor will achieve that because he generally plays a lot of villains. So I think it would okay. it'd be like, oh, red flag. I picked... Peter Sarsgaard, not a Skarsgård. Not a Skarsgård. Um, Peter Sarsgaard from Kinsey, an education. Oh, he plays blah, a lot blah, of blah. creeps. He plays a lot of creeps, but I think he can play someone that you think is going to be like a team player. You know what yeah. I mean? He can come in very soft. Yeah, but then the moment where Ben is trying to get back in the house after the gasoline fiasco goes mm-hmm. completely sideways and... Ben busts back in and sees Harry trying to sneak back down in the basement. And is that moment where he's just like, you were going to let me fucking die. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, he was. And he will again. Okay. Yeah. I like that choice. Going with the theme of people who you might not trust. Typically when I see Peter Sarsgaard in a movie, I'm like, I don't trust you. Yeah. Just something about his face. <laughs> um, Something that uh, I almost did because I was reading in the trivia that apparently Carl Hardman and Marilyn Eastman were a couple. In real life? Yes. And Ooh. his daughter is the little girl who, he, who plays <clears throat> their daughter. Oh, wow. She's not, I think, she's not uh, Marilyn Eastman's daughter, but she plays their daughter. And she's his daughter. Um, you follow me? Um, she's, she's his daughter? <laughs> she's his daughter. <laughs> in the movie and in real life, he, she's his daughter? Um, and so for two seconds, I was like, I'm going to find a celebrity couple to to oh. play this part. That didn't really work out, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought it was kind of fun Uh, that, you know, you're making a low budget movie when you're just like married couple, married couple. Um, okay. So for my Harry, I picked Michael C. Hall. Oh, who I like for this just because he seems a little hard. Yeah. Um, and if nothing else, Harry is constantly like grating against everything Ben wants to say and do. Even when these two people in like Tom and Judith, who they've taken in and are sort of like on a team with, like, even when Tom is like, okay, 
uh, this isn't a bad idea. Harry's like, no, we're going back down to the basement. The cellar, there's only one door, right? Just one door, that's all we have to protect. Tom and I fix it so it locks and boards from the inside. But up here, all these windows, why, we'd never know where they were going to hit us next. I am mad yeah. you picked him. Why? Because I almost picked him, and I saved him <gasps> for something else. And now I'm bummed. Because now it's not going to be as special when I reveal what it is. So thank you very much. He's do you, wait. Do you mean you're saving him for just something in the future? Something in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a really fun actor. Have you? I haven't seen his new show on Netflix. Safe. I, he does a British. Accent, he does a British which accent. I've heard is not great. Which is like, why? Why would you? Like, he's a great actor, but. There's no shortage of great British actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you pick a person who can't really get the accent to be? I don't know. But, I mean, the whole Dexter... Uh, of it all. Of it all. The, yeah, you, you you can't trust Michael C. Anthony Michael Hall? Michael... Michael <laughs> Anthony Michael C. Hall. <laughs> Anthony Michael C. Hall. Can't trust him. Which that's I, a great I like before it, though. and after. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good pick. Just bummed. <laughs> you beat me to it. <clears throat> okay, let's move on to Helen, Harry's wife. Harry's wife. I kept thinking that she looks like Betty Spaghetti from League of Their Own. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The very, like, dark hair, mm -hmm. very, um, very, like, soft, feminine features. Yeah. Maybe it was the, maybe it was just because it was, like, I mean, th this movie takes place in 68 and League of Their Own is, like, 40, 43, but, mm -hmm. um. I don't know. Something about like the hair made it seem like she she might have been Betty twenty years later with like a family or something. Well, it's, Betty's husband died, so she wouldn't. Oh, have that's it. true. Oh, that makes me so sad. Um, <laughs> I'm back there. I'm back there in, in that locker room, league of their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was an interesting one because this is one of the issues I think with making it a period piece because there's something very normal i think about her relationship with her husband and mm -hmm. that today i think we sort of look at her and are like why aren't you saying anything like why aren't you why aren't you challenging him like you know what's going to be best for your daughter and you're still kind of like letting him run amok yeah and i mean as a as a wife of the the late 60s i i just imagine that at that time, they were probably like, well, if she's a good wife, yeah, she follows along. Um, and I, I think it would just be interesting to sort of shift that character around a little bit. So there's uh, either make her totally devoted or a little skeptical. What if the women teamed up? Wouldn't that be fun? Since Barbara is now... Let's just rewrite this movie. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. So for my Helen, I picked Liv Tyler. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I almost picked her. <laughs> oh my. I don't know what to do because I did pick her. <laughs> oh, weird. This is so weird. Um, I, yeah, she was the first person I thought of and I was like, I want to see Liv Tyler in a movie like this. I haven't mm -hmm. seen her work, I feel like, in a while, but. um, She was fantastic on The Leftovers. Watch The Leftovers. Oh, yeah, that's what she was on. But the reason I switched her is because I that whole thing, it was like, even I even wanted Helen to be someone you didn't trust. And Liv mm. Tyler, you immediately see her and you're like, y yeah, you saved the hobbits. Like, I, I, I know that you're. <laughs> Was that her? <laughs> yeah, I remember she's like, if you want them, 
come and claim them. And she like rides her horse across the river. Oh my word. No, I just think uh, that she's like, she's, <laughs> she's very trusting. Like, I don't think I could have played her off as someone that would like, at least in, if in this more, uh, active Barbara would sort of feel. I mean, it's interesting because I think too, I was looking for people who were like a little bit names, but at yeah. the same time I was like, who would play just like this random couple in a horror movie? Liv Tyler. Yeah. Liv Tyler would do it. Um, go watch the strangers. It's oh, yeah. so good. The thing about Helen, which I, I liked, which is not kind of how I pushed my version to was when you find Harry and Helen, when Harry, he like comes out of the basement, he listens to the radio, he runs back down in the basement mm-hmm. and relays everything that's going on. And Helen is just like, there's a radio. The radio said to stay inside. Radio? Radio upstairs. I heard a news bulletin. There's a radio upstairs and you boarded us in down here? I know what I'm doing. Take the boards off that door. So sort of like to piggyback on what you said, I like the idea of having a Helen and Harry that are not getting along. And she mm-hmm. says a line where she's like something about their own life, like despite like the troubles in their own life. Mm. Like uh, that stuff doesn't matter now. Well, but I mean, like I was you kinda, can you can tell. Yeah, this is I, not a happy marriage. And so I kind of kept thinking, like, what if not only does Helen do Her- Helen and Harry not get along? Mm-hmm. They're now in this pressure cooker situation. And what if Helen is as like devious as Harry? Mm-hmm. So she could she could be someone who plays Ben against Harry. She could be someone a, just like a little more. I don't want to say manipulative because I don't think that's her purpose in the story, but someone who would make allies against her husband because of all mm. of this like history in their lives. I mean, it is fascinating that in the in the film as it exists. Wait, does she know about this? When Ben shoots Harry, mm-hmm. she knows about that, right? She's in the room. Yeah. And so it's fascinating that she's not terribly thrown by it no she's just like well that's the way the cookie crumbles and she like goes back down to like tend to her 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 daughter daughter. yeah um which again it's fascinating because there's that little bit of like i mean the the crux of this movie is just that you don't know what you would do in a situation like this unless you were in a situation like this and so it pushes people to the limits so really anything goes yeah but i i liked that i liked that in the end ultimately you get a little uh, glimpse of of who they really are when she's kind of like okay yeah i'm gonna say the actress who i picked no one's gonna know her by her name unless you're european but you definitely know her from the show she's on i picked carice van houten Mm-hmm. who played the Red Witch in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. The least trusting person I've seen on TV. <laughs> Listen, if there's one person you can't trust, it's this woman. What is what is the character's name? Melisandre. Melisandre, yeah. I mean, she definitely has like a classic, like I can see her. It's like the middle of a disaster and she's in her uh, little dress and coat and her hair still looks great and fabulous. Yeah, I think it's like someone who you think starts off as like just just the wife who wants to make sure her daughter's mm-hmm. fine and then comes out of the basement and starts being like, my husband's insane. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have anyone's like interest but his own at heart. And yeah, who could just sort of maybe play her own game of trying to survive this this like in, insane. It's, it's one night, right? It's just yeah. one night. Yeah, what I liked about it is that it really did feel like a long time that they were trapped in this house um we're right there with them tom played by keith wayne again no one knows who these people are nah but let's talk about keith wayne for a second (laughs) one of the i don't want to besmirch a man's acting prowess but 
I just loved how he would be in a scene with a group of people, and every time it cut to him, he was just staring hard at the other person in the scene. <laughs> he would just like, and he was sort of like a close, I mean, they, they blocked him to stand very close to people. Mm-hmm. And the way he spoke was just so funny. Like, I think we can do it. I think we can go. I think we can do it. I can get the thing. We can get, it was just like, what do you, who, who talks like this? You got a point, Mr. Cooper, but down in the cellar, there's no place to run to. We can get out of here if we have to. And we got windows to see what's going on outside. But down there with no windows, if a rescue party did come, we wouldn't even know it. No one talks like this. One of my favorite interactions just in any movie, anytime, anywhere, is when he's like talking to Judith and he's like, how can you smile like that all the time? And she's like, just trying to keep, I was like, Tom, she is coping. My girlfriend and I played a game, brother or lover, for a long time through this, <laughs> through this movie because we were like, okay, they came together. Are they, are they just like friends? Are they dating? And then she was like, we need to call the folks. She said the folks. And we were like, oh, brother and sister. And then he kept calling her baby and honey. And we we're like, oh no, they're both. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, he's, they're a special pairing, and, I mean, ultimately, they go to the grave together? (laughs) I don't know, it was so stupid. She died in the dumbest way. First of all, she was, like, she couldn't live without being with him. Yeah. So she, like, runs outside, and then just stops, and is like, "Uh uh-oh. And then Ben has to be like, you're either in or you're out, lady. (laughs) She hops in the car, they go to get gas, Tom comes out, he had one job, which was to take the lock off the gas, put the pump in the tank, in the and truck. fill the gas up. And what ends up happening is he fumbles the keys, then has to shoot the lock, and then Tom takes the gas nozzle, sprays it all over the truck and a torch, and yeah. ignites the truck. And then he's like, oh, I'll just get back in the truck and drive it away. So what happens. And then Judy gets her jacket caught, and it's like, take off your jacket! These people, I These mean, people. it's, you know, natural selection. All right. Survival of the fittest. So I needed a, an actor who would just creep you the hell out. I picked <laughs> I picked Barry Keegan. Oh, that's a solid choice. From that's a solid Killing choice. of a Sacred Deer. He's a little weird. He's a little weird. He's a little interesting looking. Yeah. Have you seen Killing of a Sacred Deer? I have. Oh, my God. I am obsessed with this movie. I I was I watched this movie and I was like, this might be the worst movie I've ever seen. And then for weeks after, I was I couldn't stop thinking about the it. The performances are so incredible. I I just came to the realization that it might be one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. I just feel when like he you... just eats the spaghetti. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Every time he's sort of like deadpan, like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> It's so weird. And then Colin Farrell stomping around with a gun when he has to kill one of his kids. He just. I watch this movie, but like watch it with people. Because if you're by yourself, you're going to constantly be like, what? And you'll just like need somebody's confirmation. That movie's strange. Very strange. But Barry Starr's blown up, man. Like he's in everything. He's going to be in the new Why the Last Man TV show. Very coveted role to be the last man on that show. Oh, I don't know what that is. But he was in Dunkirk, American Animals. American Animals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No, he's a great, great young actor. Mm -hmm. Um, I went a different way. I picked a sort of like all-American looking guy. Very, I don't know. Not teenager-ish, but just sort of like wholesome 
Tom's just kind of the dude, so <laughs> I just picked a, a guy. <laughs> you just picked a guy. There's... But a guy that I enjoy. I picked Blake Jenner, who coincidentally was also in American Animals. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. He was also in Edge of Seventeen. I don't know if you've seen, but. I have not. His performance <clears throat> is he's, really great. That movie is actually really, really enjoyable. He's in Everybody Wants Him. Yeah. He's like the main... He's like the freshman. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 a good choice. But I, I can see it like, yeah, he's sort of like the all-American good guy. who Whose best laid plans could possibly fail. I just don't get how Tom could be so hapless. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that, and then I know people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, good point. Like, we all kind of <laughs> know somebody. I was going to say, like, yeah, I guess if you sleep with your sibling, you get all sorts of spun up. They're not related. They're not related, but like to call, like whose parents are they talking about? They're talking about her folks. But why would she call them the folks to him? if she's speaking about herself, she's like, I gotta call the folks. But she said we should have called the folks. Well, yeah, because she can't do anything by herself. It's the 60s. But it just makes it sound like they're either married or they share the same biological Maybe they are. What if their story is that they eloped Mm. and they were... um, on their way to their honeymoon. What if they were on a killing spree? And they Ooh. stopped. What if they're secret murderers? Yeah. And then this is like the end of Predators. Yeah. Where Topher Grace is, is actually, actually a serial killer. Yeah. They're not a serial killer. Topher Grace just shows up at the end of the movie <laughs> and it's like, have you guys heard? I'm a serial killer. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of serial killers, maybe we should talk about the end of this movie. But before that, guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Yeah, the end of this movie had a couple... First of all, the third act of this movie is just characters watching the news. Oh, yeah. There's tons of fascinating news stories. My favorite being when they're talking about how it it doesn't matter how you die, you're going to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how long does it take? And they're like, oh, it's almost instantaneous. And then the other news reporter is like, well, that doesn't give them any time to make to arrangements. <laughs> No, you're not going to have a funeral in this environment. Um, where'd you put Barry? Um, I made him the sheriff. Yeah, I thought about that. The sheriff it, it was really funny. It was like this good old boy who just like who just had all his other good old boy posses. And was just like, we're just going to fan out, kill him one by one. Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. There wasn't, though. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. With his little bandolier. Yeah, (laughs) of bullets. So something about that just was like, this doesn't really ring true for me. I know we have a, a rule if there's a cop, he's Barry Pepper. But it just sort of seemed like a strange version of a sheriff that I was kind of like... I, I I put Barry Pepper as the news anchor, as mm-hmm. someone who would be more of the voice of like... Which news anchor? Well, there's a radio guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a television news anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess I'll put him as... I think it actually would be better to put him as the radio He's anchor. just like a voice cameo? I like the idea of he's the voice of like the outside world. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's telling everyone inside like what is going on. So I guess you could put him as both. It just depends on whether you want to see his sweet, sweet face or not. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's where I put him. I just like the idea of like, he is someone who is sort of this detached voice who's kind of alerting the people mm-hmm. inside the house of 
what's going on. And then they have, there's a, there's a frenzy within that house of what to do. And then, yeah. And then they start clashing with each other as well as the zombies outside. So that's where I put them. And isn't that the real story we're meant to know? That zombies are monsters, but so are humans. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anything, anything, uh, about this movie? I actually decided to, and this was just for fun for me, because I kept coming up with actors to be in this movie if it was a comedy. Oh, And really? so I made a comedy cast. Oh, let's hear it. Movie. Let's hear it. Okay, so if this movie was a comedy, uh-huh. Ben would be Lakeith Stanfield. Uh-huh. Barbara would be played by Meredith Hagner from Search Party. Harry and Helen would be played by husband and wife team, Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. Oh. And Tom would be played by Billy Magnuson. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. And the whole but time like, what I kind was of like, comedy is that's this? so silly. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, if you sort of just took the like internal pain that's happening out of this movie, it's kind of funny. So like comedy, you mean like Shaun of the Dead comedy or you mean comedy like a Wayne's Brothers comedy? <laughs> Great distinction. Um, It would definitely be... A Wes Anderson zombie movie. <laughs> that's what the people want. That's what the people want. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be like a, like a Shaun of the Dead comedy, but American, cause like. Zombieland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That really is American, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um. Uh, I like all those picks. I like all the picks that we also had for the real movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Boot. I hope you enjoyed Night of the Living Dead. I hope you have a great Halloween. You know, fix up a costume, go out, have a party, have a chocolate candy bar. A chocolate candy bar, Brian. <laughs> This conversation that's <laughs> happening with yourself is so good. Guys, check out another episodes. We're no longer doing a theme for nope. November, really. So we're back to free and loose movies. Yep. Check out our past episodes. Tell your friends. Please rate. Please subscribe. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us together as this podcast on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately because you can't trust anyone in a zombie apocalypse at Kinetrant and at Flynn B. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. They're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) It's so true. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.